Hello, my friends. Katie Day with the Movement of Texas team. We are here for another episode of the Real Advice Podcast, live and in person here at the Tom Ferry Summit with Trey Serrano out of San Antonio, Texas. What's going on, man? How are you? What's up, Katie? Um, how's your week been so far? It's been really good. It's been a lot of people, a lot of very interesting topics. So I'm super excited for this week. No, for sure. I um, I love like just getting together with so many people, meeting new people. It's great networking, a lot of learning. It's a good oh, time. Yeah. So um, yeah. for those that may not know you, how did you get into real estate? Sure. So uh, five years ago, I was nothing but a street cop. So I was uh, on the police department for about nine years and uh, I had a really bad real estate experience by somebody who's actually named Karen. <laughs> I hope she's not listening to this. So uh, I had a bad experience and I thought, well, you know, in real estate, you're not putting on a bulletproof vest. You're not going out chasing people on the streets. So this may be a good side gig. Yeah. So I started in first six months. I closed 10 transactions. First year, did 25. Third or second full year, I did 55 as a part-time agent. Yeah, not bad. That's, That's crazy. Pretty good. Yeah. So just starting out, when you first got in, you were part-time. I guess, what? how did you divide your time? Right. And like, how did you, cause that's, that's a shit ton of transactions, even for a full-time agent, no other yeah. job or anything. And so you have like a taxing job, you have a family, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. knowing five years ago, like you had your kids, right? Like, yep. so how did you balance all of that? So I, you know, I started just like everybody else. I didn't know how to balance everything. I just kind of fell face first and, and, yeah. and I figured it out. So, uh, what I did was I was the worst street cop in the world where I would just park under a shady tree and Start doing some real estate transactions. Okay. So the balance really wasn't. I hope San Antonio police is not listening <laughs> right. to this. But. And if they are too late, I already left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, damn it, Dre, now you're going to get speeding tickets. But, yeah. um, so I guess that's a little bit easier. But, like, you know, I mean, you still had the fa- your family. You yeah. had, like, other obligations. Like, so, I mean, that is a lot to kind of. No, it, it was. Uh, so I was working nights. My, my wife was pregnant with our daughter. My son was about a year or two old yeah. and we were actually living in a 200 square foot house in the shallow west side for those of you in San Antonio it's a rough part of town but we were building our house yeah so we lived there for about a year okay and I was starting in real estate so it was a lot but for me it's it's all about consistency perseverance and and just just executing yeah. if you've been to any of our masterminds I'm big on execution uh, because nobody starts perfect and yeah, you, just gotta do it. you just gotta do it um, I do love that about you. And that was like, you know, we were just, before we hopped on here, we were talking about that of like execution and like a few, probably now months ago, we made the, a YouTube bet, um, and different bets of like, you know, let's both post a video by X date or X whatever. And like that just extra layer of accountability and knowing like, I'm going to pay you what, like 20 bucks. You're going to pay it was 20 30. Bucks. It was 30 bucks. It was 30. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, a nominal amount, right? Yeah, Nothing yeah. that's going to like break the bank. Um, but I love that extra added layer of accountability. So fast forward now you've got a team. So like, when did that come about? You're yeah. So uh, as I grew, probably my second year real estate, I realized I was closing two or three transactions a month where, you know, most full-time realtors don't do that. Yeah. And I was doing it, quote, part-time. Hired an assistant after about six to eight months about with the assistant, I realized I was paying with the assistant more than I was, I was making as a cop. So I was like, well, okay, my assistant's making about 80K a year. I'm making 80K a year. <laughs> There's a problem here. I mean, I'm not a spreadsheets kind of guy, but I can read that. <laughs> You're like counting out the numbers. Like, yeah. yep, this isn't, this doesn't add up. The yeah. math isn't mapping. So then, uh, you know, my, my wife was a stay at home because she had to be two small kids, me with shift work. Uh, and then she got her license and I said, okay, I'm going to literally throw you into this transaction mix, into the fire per se. Yeah. And she flourished. She yeah. did really well, started our team. Now we're four agents 
full-time admin, full-time videographer, full-time transaction coordinator. That's awesome. Um, I've you know, known you for a while now, so it's been awesome to watch the journey of the team growing, of Stacy getting more involved in the business, yeah. of you know, just all of the things, and, and video as well, because I feel like you're someone that like has stepped up their video game like across all platforms, which is hard to do. And like, I, I we'll dig into platforms and social in a minute, but like, you know, most people are like, oh, he's the YouTube guy. Oh, he's the Instagram guy. Oh, he's this. And it's like, I feel like you've been really trying to step up your game across the board. So yeah. I think kudos to you on that. Oh, thank you. Um, so your first hire was an admin as assistant, right? Right. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Actually, no. First hire was, was TC, transaction coordinator. Okay. Second was admin. Would you, if you did it all over again, would you do the same? Or what advice would you give to someone starting a team? Check that. Actually, first hire was the TC. Second hire was the full-time videographer. Third hire was the admin. Videographer, I feel like is a, an interesting like second hire. Yeah, because I had three videographers I was paying at the same time. Yeah. So again, I'm not a spreadsheets guy. I probably should be. <laughs> uh, but I figured like, man, I could just roll these roles into one videographer and save a little money yeah. and have a better outcome. Well, especially when you start working with someone over and over again, like the quality and, and the, the personalities like mesh a lot better than, you know, you just randomly using a guy once and then coming back to him a month or two later. Yeah. So. And honestly, you know, just to, just to show the collaboration, I got all these skills, nothing, uh, nothing more than all the masterminds and like your videos, you know, all the YouTube stuff from our kind of our, our culture, our a little family yeah. that we have in real estate. And it's, it's, that's really where I've gotten all the skills because trust me, it's not like I could sit in YouTube and learn all the stuff. Yeah. I learned from what actually Tom Perry just said is you learn from other people's mistakes. So if I go to Katie and say, Hey Katie, I'm building a team. I got yeah. three buyers agents. How should I set this up? And you've made those mistakes already. Yeah. So this is what teaching, I did. And yeah, you're teaching me how to do it. And it's just skyrocketed the business for sure. What, um, what would you say is a big mistake in like growing your team that you were like, man, if I could do this all over again, I would have done this differently or I wouldn't have done that. Number one is letting go of control, letting effing go of control and allowing somebody to do it. Maybe not as perfect as you, but that saves so much time. Yeah. It's always interesting too, when you find the person that you like, you know, you don't want to give up that control. Then you find the person that actually does it better than you. And you're like, well, shit, like I should have <laughs> given this up a long time ago. Yep. Totally. Um, you're going to say something else. No, I was just going to say, you know, those agents that are listening to this, you know, letting go of control can mean like something as simple as sending a DocuSign. Like, I don't mean letting go of control and like somebody else running. <laughs> Here's all my business. Yeah. Run with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I know when I first, like I'm putting myself, you know, two years ago, Trey, or maybe three. And I thought letting go of control means oh, somebody has to run my Instagram. Someone has to, quote, run my social media. But then it realizes just you have a set task. Let's say something as easy as sending signs, Allowing somebody else to take that over so they can be very proficient at it. But if you don't give them the practice, you won't give them the opportunity to be proficient. Yeah, for sure. No, I, um, I was just talking to someone about that because they were like talking about starting a team and like what should they do and all that. And like the biggest thing I said to them is I was like, so many people hire someone, right? And like, you hire me to work for you, but then you don't train me well. And they're like, God, Katie sucks. And it's like, well, you, you never gave, you know, them the opportunity to learn and grow and like do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like showing and then like verifying and you know, all that and, and having that accountability. Um, so switching gears a little bit, one of the things again, that I, I really love of the journey I've seen from you is the video journey, right. And like going from doing like Facebook lives and video tours and, and like shooting your own stuff, which was still good, but like, you know, till like now it's like, you're putting out a ton of content, you know, like clearly edited, you know, videographers and high quality equipment and all that. Like, so talk to me a little bit about, about kind of your content journey and like 
where you started, where you are now. Sure. So it's it's very easy for agents to see all everything that's on, let's say, Instagram and just be overwhelmed. Yeah. So they'll see, you know, the broke agent, your videos, you know, all the influential realtors and and feel like I'm not going to be that good. But you can't ever forget that today's algorithms across all platforms, they are all speaking to your audience. So you have to create content for your audience and who you're trying to sell and buy and get business from. Once you do that, you don't really have to worry about the metrics. That's, I think, the biggest takeaway that I had is I'm done making videos for everybody. I'm just, I'm not trying to be any one influencer. I'm just trying to speak to my audience. And as I get better and make mistakes and learn and build, that's how I think I come across a little more refined I know. Imagine me. Refined. Refined. That's cute. That's cute. That's That's a little rough. (laughs) No, no, I think that's huge. And it's like the, like you can't be for everyone. Right. Or if you try to, if you're trying to be for everyone, then you'll be for no one type thing or make content for everyone. Then it's it's for no one. So I think figuring out who that target market market or audience is first is like key. Right. And then just continuing to have that message go to those people. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I really can't stress enough how you shouldn't have to worry about like, how many views or how many likes because today's algorithms in any platform is watch time. The people that want to be in front of you and you want to be in front of you, th- that's where your your content is going to go. So you, it does it for you. You don't yeah. have to worry about how many people you're, you know. If you if you have 100 people following you that are all in, in your neighborhood that you bought and sold homes for, that's better than a million followers or a million yeah. likes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um and that's where I think that people do get like, okay, I watched what you just did. So now I'm going to do that video. Oh, and then I saw so-and-so did. And I like that video. So now I'm going to try to do that. So you've just got to like take that idea and, and make it for your audience and yep. your people. And like, you know, it'll, it'll work. Yeah. So, um, what would be your advice for a brand new agent? So someone that just got licensed, they're getting ready to hang their license with a brokerage and like, you know, aren't sure where to go. What would be like your piece of advice or two for them? Man, I would really... I would filter out the fluff, number one. I know it sounds like a, a very vague statement, but there's a lot of people that are in this industry that, that believe in the fake it till you make it, um, but it's completely false. I mean, you really got to attach yourself to people that are trying to grow an organic business. I mean, as simple as, hey, the neighbor down the street that wants to sell their house, they're going to think of me when, when it comes to buy and sell. And it's funny, I, I did an Instagram video it's just like me sitting in a chair talking about how cool I am. Um, and what I said I didn't was, see that one. I was like, the, the three things that I wish I knew when I first started, yeah. or uh, no, I know, sorry, backtrack, is how I got my first 10 deals in real estate. I did a little Instagram reel. And as I'm saying, oh, I, what I did is I, did you know, serious? Did you know you can back out of a contract? Did you know if the foundation's messed up, then you can back out of the agreement? I did all these things. And then in the middle of the reel, I realized I still do those things <laughs> like three, yeah. 400 transactions later, I still say the same things Yeah, because that's been the retention of the audience. And that's what's cultivated so many relationships is just sticking to what your avatar wants. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's like sticking to the basics, right? And that's something that we've been focusing on a lot for our team is like, I think we get caught up a lot in content. We get caught up a lot in the algorithms and, and, you know, I posted this video and it didn't get many views or I posted this and it's, you know, whatever. Right. And it's like, okay, but like one, you need to keep making content Two, like 
let's get on the phone and call our past clients and our sphere and our current clients and, and leads and things like that. And it's like, there are so many things that you need to be doing every day. Right. Yep. Um, and that's where the, like, when you go back to the beginning, when you're just scrounging for business, right. It's like, what were you doing? What were those things? And are you still doing those things? At least to some extent, right. Yep. Prospecting looks different today than it did for me five years ago, but like I still do, you know, content and prospecting and calls and all the things. Right. Yep. So. And something, one of the speakers said, I apologize. I don't remember their name, <laughs> but I'm going to steal what their lesson is to tell you. <laughs> wow, that's so profound. <laughs> I know, right? Such a jerk. Is agents are afraid to be uncomfortable and they're afraid of rejection. And yeah. I never really realized that until now is the reason why new agents don't get on the phone or don't door knock and say, hey, I'm, this is my service. I want to help you. Is they're afraid of that person saying, I don't want your help. Yeah. It feels good to not do it because then you don't get rejected. Yeah. But if you get over your shit, and just get up front and be comfortable with being uncomfortable, then everything's be fine. Yeah. And I also feel like the short-term discomfort is like, it sucks, but like the long-term like benefit and gain is way better. So it's just like getting through oh, yeah. this little bit here to like get to the reward later. Oh, yeah. um, but it's, I mean, it, it sucks. Like it's not yeah. fun. It's not fun being told no. No, it's, it's not. And it's like, you have to understand that even top producers, they get a no. The no is never going to go away. Yeah. It's just you have to be comfortable with it now. So like when I get a no, I'm like, hey, no problem. Okay. Yeah. I've even had people call me and say, hey, I'm selling my house next Tuesday. And, uh, you know, just wanted to know so you can share with your team. I'm like, oh, cool. You're yeah. selling your house. Thanks for telling me that you're selling your house. Yeah. You know, it's like. Uh, that was like in David's talk. I yeah. Know if you were David, in it earlier yeah. And he was just like, it's like, oh, that's super. Send, send me the list. In. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like rejection is always going to happen. You just got to be comfortable and got to know that how many closings a month is there in Houston? A like lot. 10,000 a month or something crazy? Or, or in San Antonio, I don't know, it's like seven, 8,000. But it's so many closings that if you get a no, there's thousands yeah. of other potential families that need your help. Yeah. So if you look at yourself as you're serving in a capacity, the rejection is way easier. Yeah. That's, that's like, I think when you're, especially for prospecting, right? Like going in with that like servant attitude and mindset is so key. And like one of the things Ryan, you know, always says is he's like, like, they are so lucky that we can have this conversation. I am saving them from all the other realtors out there, you know, that don't know what they're doing and aren't out there to try to help. But yep. like, like he approaches prospecting that way. Right. And like, yep. he, he can just like bang the phones and like, that's because he puts himself like puts that hat on. Yep. Right. And like, and then it's, it's way easier. So. Yep. New agents got to realize you are, they have to sell a house and 99.9% .9 of them are going to do with the realtor. So by you knocking on the door or doing social media or whatever, you are the person that they're going to trust. And if you yeah. believe in yourself, they're going to say, you know what? They're going to have the best process with me. So yeah. go do it. Yeah, for sure. What, um, what is either like a book that you would recommend people read or a podcast to listen to? What's, what are some things that you listen to or, or read for like personal development and growth? So, I mean, the only book that I've read, I don't read many books. Don't laugh at me, Katie. Um, but you can laugh. That's fine. Curious George? <laughs> yeah. Green yeah. Eggs and Ham? Green Eggs and Ham. Uh, there's a cat in a hat. Oh, thing. yeah, cat in the hat. <laughs> You're just talking about the kid's bedtime book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I got a five and six-year-old. We have a five and six-year-old, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, yeah. Was, I know it's a popular one, but that is literally the one I just disciplined myself to actually read the whole thing. But I'm more of an audiobook guy. Yeah. But I think what really elevates my hunger and growth is being put in uncomfortable situations. 
and it's not reading. It's I don't need the hoorah motivation books. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because of my background and, and what I've done. But what I do need is I need to be in uncomfortable situations. So then when I knock on a door or when I have to tell an agent, hey, this is what you need to do because I did this, is uh, I'll give an example. I did 24 workouts in 24 hours. Almost died. Yeah. But I liked being in that almost like I blacked out, you know, for yeah. a sense. But it put me in an uncomfortable situation. I survived. And I need to push forward. Do you um, have you ever read David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me? Yeah. Okay. Because that's well, like, the audio, the audio portion. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. well, and what I like about the audio versus the actual book itself is that he does the, like the little pop in in between every chapter and like gives like his mindset and where he was then. And you're like, holy shit. Like yeah. I am a little. Oh, yeah. Uh, wuss. Yeah. There's there's a clean, clean word for podcast. I'm a little wuss. Like yeah. what? Like you know, he's like breaking feet and legs and still running marathons and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to get out of the bed and go to the gym. Like, yeah. <laughs> candy ass. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I like I um what surprised me or what I thought was so crazy about your 24 workouts in 24 hours was that they backloaded a lot of the miles. Like it wasn't Murph one of the last workouts. It was the last workout. Like what the? <laughs> and I remember I. I, I was in Costco the next day and I like almost fainted in the why middle you, of Costco. Why are you not laying in bed? <laughs> oh yeah, no, don't do that. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think like the mental fortitude for something like that, right? Is like because you know, and David Goggins says this a lot of like how much of like more you have in the tank, but like when in those moments where you're like God, I'm so tired, I'm this, I'm that, like oh, yeah. you still have so much more in the tank than yeah. you thought you did. So. And before the, the the workout stuff, I'd roll jujitsu, I did boxing, you know, and it's it's just to ground yourself to like, hey, I'm no better than anybody else, but also nobody else is better than me. Yeah. So it's it's all come in the same playing field and it just makes it makes relationships easier to gain. Yeah. Sorry. Someone's calling me that's gonna shoot another podcast here. No, that's in cool. a second. That's, um, uh, yeah. So anyways. Um, no, kudos to you, man. That was, that was badass. And I was actually floating the river that weekend, you oh, know? Yeah. And I was like, man, like, I wonder if I could pop up to like do a workout, but like, you know, it just, Oh, it so. was miserable. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I did that. No, <laughs> but, I, like I, I would have loved to have done it with you, man. Yeah. Um, okay. So final question, if it were your last meal on earth, what would you be eating? Nachos. Okay. What, uh, do you like like the individual nachos or like the like, no, homemade like, layered? The layered, yeah. just everything on it. And, uh, I actually, I think it's more of a, a, a family meal because it's yeah. one plate, everybody's sharing. It's everything you love and trust all in one plate. Have you ever done the nachos? Have you seen it on like TikTok and Instagram, like the nachos on like the kitchen Island where you put like foil down and then you just like throw all the chips and meat and oh, cheese. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, my wife and I are nacho connoisseurs. Okay. We have right. she has a famous recipe. Okay. That's like it's well, it's got a, a Michelin it star. It's, it's top secret, yeah. yeah. It's a Michelin star. Yeah. Is that a thing? Michelin? It is. Did I say it right? Yeah, okay. it is. He doesn't even know, but you know, yeah, she clearly yeah. she clearly won the award. <laughs> All right. Um, I appreciate you. If um someone doesn't already follow you, where's the best place for them to, to connect with you? Uh honestly, just Google Trace Serrano. You know, Google um, him. He's yeah. that important. Yeah, just just Google it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate you, Katie. Katie, you're you're super cool, and uh, I appreciate everything you do. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. Yep.